0: You're listening to the weekly podcast by Forest Hill Church. Here you'll find a place to grow in your faith, get to know what the Bible's all about, and hear what it looks like to follow Christ. To watch our services live or find the campus nearest you, visit foresthill.org. If you're a parent, search for our new Forest Hill Parenting Podcast and subscribe to get new content tailored just for you. Well, good morning, Forest Hill Church. How are you? Really? I don't believe you. My name is Jason, I'm one of the pastors here, and it is so good to be with you, man. What a week to be a part of Forest Hill Church. We are starting today a three-week series where we are laying out a new mission and vision, an identity and direction, uh, the way that we are going to be together and what we are going to, with God's help, move towards seeing him do in this city over the next five years. And I am thrilled that you chose to connect with us today, whether you're in the room, whether you're online listening to the podcast, so glad that you're here. And this connection idea got me thinking about um, a time not that long ago when I felt very, very disconnected. When's the last time that you felt like you were just kind of disconnected, like on the out? You know, whether it was your phone didn't have reception or whatever. Mine was I was in Egypt about a month ago with a group from this church. We were visiting one of our partner churches there in Cairo. And it just so happened that that trip coincided with the national championship football game. I am from Louisiana. Louisiana. So LSU, and and I see Clemson shirts out there, uh, and I love you guys, but LSU being in that game was a big deal for me. I really wanted to watch this game, and so before I left, I had downloaded the ESPN app. I made sure that I had all of the best possible connections. I checked the hotel room there to make sure that the connection was going to be strong enough, and at 3.30 in the morning, I was waking up by my alarm to watch the LSU Tigers, 3:30 the alarm goes off I roll over and flip over the laptop guess what happened nothing Zero, no connection. Apparently in Egypt, they don't allow American football to be broadcast at three in the morning. And so I am laying there in a hospital, not a hospital, that's what I wanted to be in, in a hotel room, trying everything. I'm unplugging the computer. I'm flipping off the router. I'm finding a VPN, which I don't even really know what that means, except somebody told me it like tricks the interweb into thinking you're somewhere else. I did everything I could do to get connected because I really wanted this moment and I couldn't make it happen. It's frustrating, isn't it? Like if you, you know, you've got Siri giving you directions to someplace you've never been and all of a sudden Wi-Fi is out or your cellular things are, and you're just lost. Like we hate, it feels wrong in the 21st century to not be able to connect when we want to, doesn't it? Well, connection is not just wrong. Sometimes when things get unattached from their source, it's kind of like, I don't, I, mean, I don't know the word for it. It's just kind of gross, you know, like Hair. When hair is attached to your head, and for many of you, you remember this day, but when hair stays attached to your head, it's a beautiful thing. I love to brush my little girl's hair and try to braid it, even though I am in the remedial stages of hair braiding for my five-year-old. But I love it. It's great. But when a hair gets unattached from where it's supposed to be, and you find it like in the drain or wrapped around your finger because you were in the carpet or like in your food... Come on, you, this is a tactile message. I'm trying to make sure you feel this, right? It's gross when things that are supposed to be attached somewhere aren't. Or fingernails, right? Exactly. I love when they're painted and filed and looking beautiful on your fingers, but not when they're in the couch cushions. Or if somebody, you know, have you ever been walking barefoot in the bathroom? You're like, get one of those little clippings on the bottom of your bare foot, right? It's disgusting. Things that are not attached where they're supposed to be get, get gross, but then there's the other kind of disconnection, like when a kid gets disconnected from their parents in a, in a moment or a season of rebellion or difficulty, when spouses are estranged, when a couple of friends, you know, have had a falling out and trust is lost and, and you don't have that connection anymore, that's not just weird or gross or frustrating. It's, it's dangerous. Or whenever someone is disconnected from their heavenly father, their creator, When when you see someone who's been designed, the image of God placed in them, God madly in love and passionately pursuing them, and yet they find themselves on the outside because of the sin and death that has separated all of us from God. In fact, the mission that he's been on to try to reconcile everyone, when we're on the disconnected side of that, that's deadly, and I've been there, and everybody in this room, you either are there or you've been there too because we start out in this life disconnected from our source. And so when we think about the danger of being disconnected, it really starts to paint a picture that we need to overcome. Now, the other side of that are those stories, those moments when something that was uh, separated suddenly gets reattached where it belongs, right? And we love those stories. We love whenever, um, whether it's a Netflix movie or something that you've seen in a real-life relationship, when, when a couple gets back together and they kiss under the bridge and it's all beautiful, we love that stuff. Or when, um, when the kid finally comes home or when a soldier who's been off uh, in a distant land comes back and is reattached to their family, man, that makes all of us cry when we see that stuff, right? We love the beauty of connection where we're supposed to be. That's been God's purpose all along. In fact, He tells us that one day, He is, although we are experiencing this side of eternity, a world that is disconnected from Him and from each other. That one day, he will bring history to a close, this chapter, and he'll start a new one that has all of us reconciled, the entire universe back to where it was supposed to be. That's how the story ends. But right now, we gotta deal with the place we find ourselves in this story. And so today, as we talk about mission, And I want to share with you today about mission, which is what we're going to accomplish. And next week, we'll talk about value, some of the ways that we're going to go about doing that. And finally, in three weeks, we'll talk about vision, where we're going as a church. Today, I want to show you a story from the scripture first that shows a beautiful reconciliation, a beautiful connection back the way things should be. And then I want to tell you about how that's going to happen at Forest Hill Church. And then I'm going to give you an invitation at the end to step into something that could change your life, and someone else's, and quite possibly, if we would do it all together, could absolutely turn our city around. So, you ready? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Here's the story. It begins in uh, Acts 10. We're gonna be. I'm gonna be jumping in and out of this passage. I'll read some. I'll talk some. It's a long thing, so I want to story tell this a little bit for you. But here's how it starts out. The setup is this. It's um, a place called Caesarea, a town that's on the Mediterranean shores of Israel. Uh, it's where uh, the Roman government has kind of set up its headquarters for that part of the world. The, Rome has been moving across, expanding its empire into the world, and at this moment, it's about. 30 AD, uh, they've got a a place there where some of the most powerful people in the Roman Empire are gathered. And in Caesarea, this town, there's a guy named Cornelius. Cornelius, uh, he's a Roman centurion, which means he's got power, he's got money, he probably, like Tom Brady, was good looking too. I don't know, like, he just had it all. Like, all the things that make a person connected, he had that stuff. Except, we can tell that he feels disconnected. He's searching for God. Because of his prayers and because he does things to try to to move himself toward God. He's looking for that thing that we all, every single one of you in this room right now, we all believe and hope is possible. That there is a different and better life to live. And that it's possible we can find it on this side of eternity. So, Cornelius, he has this dream. It's it's a vision where an angel shows up. and, And he says to him, Cornelius, I want you to call this guy named Peter. I want you to have him come to your house, and Peter's going to tell you what to do next, how to reconnect to God. Exactly what you've been looking for. This is how it's going to happen. So Cornelius, who's desperate to find the connection, grabs a couple of his servants and one of his soldiers, and he sends them off to go find Peter, who's just in about a town a few miles away that's called Joppa in the scriptures. Today it might be called Jaffa, or actually Jaffo. Any of you love the grain bowls at Jaffo? Yes, that's where this comes from. This is the city where Peter's residing. Peter's made his way there as part of, uh, after Jesus' resurrection, as part of spreading the message of what Jesus did. So he's been going around preaching the gospel, and he's been really busy here in Joppa the last few days. Uh, we read in scripture that he had just uh, taken a paralyzed man and healed him. That guy's life changed forever. And he went to this lady named Tabitha, and he raised her from the dead. Her life you could say moderately impacted by that moment. But what's about to happen next changes not just his individual life or Cornelius's life, but it's gonna change the entire world in this one moment. Here's the way it goes. Cornelius's guys, a couple of servants and a soldier go to the house where Peter's staying and they go knock on the door. Now think about this for a moment. In that time, the Roman Empire was the occupier. They were oppressors, right? They, were, they represented all the things that a Jew would not want to have to deal with because they were extracting taxes. They were crucifying people. They were expanding their power. And so imagine a knock at the door of those three guys. It's a bit intimidating. Well, we pick up in the story. Chapter 10, verse nine. It says, the next day, as they were traveling and near in the city, Peter went up to pray on the roof about noon. I don't know where you pray, but a roof. Maybe we should try that. He became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were preparing something, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and an object that resembled a large sheet was coming down, being lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky. A voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. To get the image... He's on the roof. He's in a hangry trance. Sheet comes down, tarp, and it's filled with all of the most, I mean, this is like Bizarre Foods Bible edition, right? All of the things, there's tails hanging out. There's claws coming through. It's animals that not only would a person like Peter not eat, but probably none of us, our first instinct would be to put that on a plate, you know? And again, I'm from Louisiana where we call roadkill like lunch. So... All of that is happening at this moment for Peter, and he's experiencing something that's totally unsettling for him. No, Lord, Peter said, for I've never eaten anything impure and ritually unclean. Again, a second time, the voice said to him, what God has made clean, do not call impure. This happened three times, and suddenly the object was taken up into heaven. Now, If you know anything about the Jewish people, back then and now, there were very strict dietary laws that were a part of them staying in connection and communion with God. This was part of the way they were supposed to live. God had, when he first made the nation, had created them with all of these rules and regulations that were to help them be separate, to be different from the rest of the world. Because they were God's representative. And he was trying to show from the earliest days that I'm a different kind of God. So you're going to live in a way that we would call holy, unique, set apart, different for a purpose. So guys like Peter, they had only eaten certain kinds of foods and only prepared in certain kinds of ways their entire life. They had always looked down and judged people who ate other stuff. Creepy crawlies coming out of a sheet like that. This was brand new for him. And in one moment, God was destroying these barriers that had kept Peter from people who were different from him, but who God loved just the same. Well, Peter can't believe it. It says in verse 19, while Peter's thinking about the vision, the spirit told him, three men are here looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them. No doubts at all. Parents, this is like this is a I'm gonna just use this now with my kids. Do what your mother says, no doubts at all. Let's see how that works this week. I think it's gonna be great. Because I have sent them. So off Peter goes. He goes to see Cornelius with a soldier and two servants, walking through this. Now already, if you're noticing this, if you're a friend of Peter's or you know him as a Jew, you might think he's being escorted to prison. He's going to death. Like, this has got to be a tough moment for Peter. All he has to base this on is this voice from God that I'm sure he is wondering, because everything, again, had like blown his mind of what God was saying. Eat these animals. But no, God, I can't do that. Now he's saying, go with these people. But no, I don't do that. I mean, he is in a moment of crisis. And he goes with them to see Cornelius. And I just, I just want you to imagine what that was like as a good Jew, Peter's never stepped inside the home of a Gentile before. A Gentile is anybody who's not Jewish. He's never walked inside and sat on the couch of someone with that ethnic background. He has no idea what kind of food is cooked, what culturally happens inside that home. This is completely foreign to him. It would be like And I'm trying to help us imagine that because we live in a a world now that doesn't have this much barrier on the surface anyway. But I want you to imagine if you're a a Saudi Arabian woman who had only and ever worn a burqa when she was out in public and suddenly someone tells you, take it off. You can walk through the streets without your face covered. That's the level of difficulty and discomfort it was for Peter to step over this barrier. Here's what happens. While talking with him, he went in and found a large gathering of people. Now it's getting even more tense. It's not just Peter in with this man named Cornelius, but it's full. The house is full of people not like him. Peter said to them, you know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner. But God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. That's why I came without any objection when I was sent for." So, may I ask why you sent for me? I want you to catch three words. While talking with them, he went in. There's so much power in those three words. He went in against everything that his body was telling him at that moment. This is dangerous. This is not the way it's supposed to be. They're different, they're other. Against all of that, Peter steps over the threshold and goes inside. And once he gets in there, he tells them, hey, you guys recognize how hard this is for me? And I'm sure they were thinking the same thing. Yeah, this is tough for us too, but we're here. And and Peter says, why have you sent for me? Cornelius tells him the story. Hey, God came to me in a vision and said to call for you, so you must have a message. Like, what's up, let's talk. And at that moment, Peter, Himself is converted in a way. His eyes are opened. His heart is now open for this group of people that he always thought were out of bounds. At that moment, he realizes that whole sheet thing with the animals, that wasn't about necessarily the animals. It was actually... It was something way more than the dinner menu. This was about actually people that God was inviting in. Not only were the animals acceptable to eat, but now the people represented by those animals were acceptable to God. The the four corners of the sheet are the four corners of the earth. And his mind is blown and his eyes are open as he realizes the power of this moment. That right now, God is about to unleash on the rest of the world what he had already opened up for the Jews through Christ. So he starts telling them the story. This is, this is what Jesus did. This was his life. This was his brutal death. He was resurrected, and, and I'm sure Cornelius knows the story of the rabbi who just got you know, crucified. He, he knows that story, but suddenly something's happening and stirring in his heart. Do you remember the first time, if you're a follower of Jesus, do you remember the first time you really got this? You really got that Jesus died for you. You really began to embrace the idea that your forgiveness had been secured, that all the things you had done, the sins you had committed, the stuff you felt guilty for and the things that other people knew and the things that they didn't, that only you knew. Do you remember what that moment was like when you were finally given a taste of freedom? That's what's happening. Well, Peter, he tells a sermon, he gets right to the end. He's about to have you know, the big idea or he's got this killer illustration that's gonna bring the whole thing home. This is what preachers do. We think about how to really illustrate this well. Peter's ready and here's what happens. While Peter is still speaking these words, that means he got interrupted. The Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message Man, all that work, and Peter doesn't even get to finish the sermon out well. There's no amen, there's no altar call, it just starts happening. The Holy Spirit comes into the room, and suddenly all this gathered people, they start to believe. Their hearts and and minds and eyes are opened, and faith gets blown up in this place. And it's an incredible picture, because what happens next is this. The circumcised believers who would come with Peter were amazed, Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. I don't know what that would be for you, but the least likely, the most outlandish suspects in their eyes suddenly were experiencing the same thing that they did. For those of you who know the scriptures a little bit, do you remember uh, the day of Pentecost? whenever all right after Jesus leaves, when the Holy Spirit comes and all of them, the Jews are gathered together and there's the fire on their heads and they speak in tongues and all that. This is the Gentile Pentecost. Same exact thing happens as if God wants to say, what I have given you, I now give to them too. There's no distinction between the two of you. As of this moment, the whole world is wide open to my kingdom. It's a powerful thing that happens. And what I want you to grasp is this next part. And Peter responded, can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized? Is there anything to stop them from coming into the community of faith? Is there any reason? I mean, on the outside, they still look the same. We still have our same differences, but there's something new that's happened on the inside. How in the world can we keep ourselves apart from each other any longer? And let them publicly acknowledge following Christ. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then they asked him to stay for a few days. This moment right here is the beginning of Christianity moving across into the Gentile world. Gentiles had been able to come to faith before, but before this moment, they had to become Jewish first. So, And this is difficult if you're a 40, 50-year-old man because you got this whole circumcision thing. you got to basically follow all the law of the Jews to come in. And at this moment, God says, through this one interaction of two people, I've taken down all the barriers. You come to me now on the terms of Jesus' death and resurrection only. And from there, you know the rest of the story. This is how we got here today. Unless you're Jewish by birth, this is how you became a part of the family of God. So with that as a context and background, and with God lurking in the background of that story, because did you notice this? That God was talking to Peter, and Cornelius didn't realize it. All he knew was that, call for this guy. He doesn't realize that God's already prepped Peter's heart. God was talking to Peter, and he doesn't realize that this man named Cornelius, God's already been working in his heart. God's in the details of this story. So with all that as our background, let me tell you, About what we are stepping into as a church starting today. First, I want to say for those of you who have been a part of the church for a long time, just I want to say thank you for your patience as over the last months we've begun this process, we've prayed through and developed uh, together this new mission and new vision that we are heading into. Um, And you've prayed for us and you've supported and we are so grateful for that. Here's how it came about. Here's how we got here today as a church. Several months ago, our Council of Elders, and that's the elected officers of the church who were their their spiritual leaders to oversee the government and the vision of the church. They said, hey, we want you to go and and get a mission and vision to take us into the future. And so our leadership began this process of uh, engaging a wide and large group of people from our staff. We went and we found people from all sorts of uh, backgrounds and varieties. We called it Team 2020 because the idea was they would gather together and we would together find God's direction for our church. That we believed that as we listened, without imposing our own great plan or strategy, that God might guide us in a direction, much like he did Peter and Cornelius, to the destination he wants us to be in. And so we got people that were black and white and Latino. We got male and female, married and not some who had been in ministry a long time and and some who were just starting out, people who were um, female and male, generational, older and younger. We gathered all that group together because that's what the body of Jesus looks like. And we said, let's together find this path. And so we began to pray. And, and here's what happened. We started with this exercise. We said, we believe that God has a mission for this church and, and a mission is always unique to the specific location and the specific time that you're in. For the Jews at Peter's time, it was about crossing over some boundaries to the Gentile world. But every church and every person, you are here uniquely at this moment by God, living where you do in your apartment complex and your part of town and your house, whatever. You are here for a specific purpose. Because mission is this. Rowena Cross, a missiologist and theologian, says this about mission. Mission is believing God has placed us in a precise location at a specific time to be, show, and love Jesus. Specific location, exact time to be, show, and love Jesus. That's what we're all after. So this Team 2020, we said, all right, what's what's our time like? What's this geography like? And here's what we found out. And and if you have been in Charlotte for a while, you know this. If you recently moved here and you've only read like Chamber of Commerce material, this may surprise you. But, But Charlotte is a richly diverse but deeply divided city. It has been for all of its history. It's divided across all of the lines that you could think of. Demographics, generational, ethnicity, socioeconomics, education level. All of that is a part of our city. We were also rapidly growing. Something like 60 people a day move into the Charlotte area. But increasingly isolated. Have you heard of this thing that we have now called lifestyle enclaves? Like that's the new sort of neighborhood. Basically, you gather people together who all think and do the same thing. And you put them in a spot of town and put a fence around it. And we're good. We're safe. And this is great. And that's, that's what all of us do. I'm not judging that. I'm saying that is the way that the world, that culture works apart from Christ that we just separate out into tribes or factions or groups with people we like and people that like us. And we just do life that way. That's that's the normal outside of Jesus way of life, right? But he wants something different. So we said, here's our city, divided on all those ways. Um, and, and then the church, honestly, we're like in the buckle of the Bible belt, you know? But it doesn't get much better for us. The church in Charlotte has been, Divided across things too, denominations. We act like because we don't you know, baptize someone exactly the same way that we can't be friends. It's really kind of unflattering, it's embarrassing. We're divided, but parts of town, uh, we're either in competition with each other or we're playing like church solitaire. And we've lived this life that is exactly opposite to what I just described to you as God's design for people. So we saw that as our predicament. And Team 2020 said, all right, what do we have? And Here's what we got. We have a church with a history of standing in the gap for the broken and the marginalized and the hurting, don't we? That's been a part of Forest Hills history forever. Many of you have been here for a long time and you've engaged in that. You've served in groups. You've been in partners around the city. You have actually been a part of seeing a change come for those who are broken. We were part of upward mobility, all kinds of things that we've been in our legacy, in our DNA is to say, we don't believe that faith just stays in here. It has an expression that moves out. And some of you aren't even Jesus followers, but you're here because you realize there's a movement that's been happening and we're a part of it. And and you went in on that. And I think you also believe that, and you still hope that there's transformation possible for your individual life. So we said, we've got that. We've got influencers. We've got a staff and a, and a, a group of elders and deacons that are passionate about this stuff. So when you put together this place, this time, and that passion, and this problem that God says is not the way I want, it all started to become clear. We, we had a consultant working with us, and we got apart a little bit, and he said, all right, take all that and, and go pray and kind of come up with, see if God would give you a picture, a, a concept, an idea, an image, whatever, and a verse. Something that would just sort of say, this is who we are becoming. And we did, and I'm telling you, it wasn't like a sheet with animals dropping from heaven. It wasn't a visit from an angel, but it was just as, as one of our staff people says, spooky Jesus moment. Where we gathered up and and 20 people separated all over the uh, the basement of this building, came back in, and there was one theme that united everything that we wrote down. It was this idea, it was an image of a bridge. It was this image of this powerful connection tool something that spans chasms and divides, that have kept people from each other or places from each other, that have kept resources from moving. It was it was this concept of what God in Christ has actually done for all of humanity. And and it was so weird. We were all focused, like, yeah, this is what this is what we're to be about. I think God's saying this to us. Then we came to this scripture, and it's um it's really the mission of God for every believer. It's in Second Corinthians five, we'll put it up on the screen. Paul writing says this, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. This is your reality if you're a follower of Jesus. And if you're not yet, this is what's offered. New. No more guilt. No more separation from your maker. New creation. It says everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and then given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. God was doing the work, just like with Peter and Cornelius, not counting their trespasses or sins against them. And he's committed the message of reconciliation to us. This is what's so crazy. I don't often want to like challenge or question God's wisdom, you know, uh, especially not publicly, but but sometimes I wonder like God, your plan for spreading this message and invitation to the entire world is me? And you? Like our flawed, broken st- I mean all of the things that are wrong with us, fearful, like that's the best plan you had for how to get this word out? And his answer is, "Yep." Therefore, Since we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We have a ministry, like an activity that we are supposed to do. We have a message, this message of eternal life offered in Christ and forgiveness of sins. Those two together become the mission. And it's been the mission for every person. This is what blows my mind. We are starting a brand new mission for our church, mission statement, but it's not new. It's what God's been doing the entire time throughout history. And he invites us now to come in in a different way. So Forest Hill Church, here is our mission statement. This will be our North Star, our compass. It will guide the way we program, how we preach, what we do from the stage, what happens in groups. This is what we're going to be about individually and corporately. Forest Hill Church is building bridges that connect everyone to dynamic life in Christ. We are going to look at those barriers and divides and we are going to build bridges that connect everyone to the dynamic life that Christ offers. Building bridges, uh, that, that's exactly what, uh, what Peter did, right? It's, it's almost always just a relationship that happens. The bridge most often to help people get over their intellectual barriers to faith or their cultural barriers to faith or their emotional ones because either God didn't come through like I thought or I got hurt by somebody or abused by somebody that said they were a Christian all of those things are the barriers that keep us disconnected from God and what we're going to do is build a path over those so that folks can come in and hear this message but but building a bridge works two ways What's really cool about this, and you would find it in the life of Cornelius if you read more of the story later, he goes on to become uh, one of the bishops of the church in that area. Like his life doesn't just stop with this moment of conversion. He goes on to be a part of spreading it too. So bridges happen both ways. He learned things and Peter did. And and I just want to explain, when that happens, when when we get stuff going both directions, there's there's a cost. There's a price for this kind of thing. And I want to show you an example. See, we've been kind of doing this as a church for a while, um, under the surface a little bit. It's part of who we are, but at our Noda campus, um, well, I want to show you a TikTok video. And I know you're going to say, "Like, oh my gosh, that's so silly." And it's only eight seconds long, but but there's so much packed into this image that I want you to take a look at and see if you can notice God in the details. Let's speak to get out with. Eight seconds. Powerful, I know. Here's the thing. Those girls are in our advanced life group at, at Noda, part of the student ministry there. The guy behind him who is doing his very best to keep up with the TikTok dance, and as a dad of some teenagers, I understand his pain right now. He is a police officer who's been a security guard for our church there. Over the last two years, relationships have been built between that. You, you didn't catch all that in Eight seconds. You just saw some beautiful girls and, and this guy doing his thing, and it's kind of funny, and it's sweet. What you don't know is the price that was paid by both of those groups to, to have that moment. Because culture says those two people should be separated. There's fear between the two of them. You don't have the same ethnicity, probably not the same economics, definitely not the same generation. All the things that in that moment, because they're teenagers, they're not, you know, making a ton of money yet and and he's in his career all the things that would separate us have been overcome by the two-year relationship that got built and resulted in that moment do you see how how these moments happen as God's working behind the scenes we just have to say yes to building the bridge and he does the work to me it's a beautiful picture of where we're heading And if you knew how many people contacted the lady who posted that video who actually had negative things to say about what was happening in that church, you would understand the price and the cost that this takes. But that's the price and the cost that we're willing to pay when we understand what Jesus has done for us, right? That there's nothing we'll stop at. There's no one that's too far away because we build bridges that connect everyone. And by everyone, we mean... Everyone. So who in your mind maybe is someone that you would just say, man, they're too far gone. Maybe it's because they are a part of a different religion right now that says there's no way they could ever come to Christ out of that. Maybe it's because their life is in such shambles or they have this intellectual atheism or whatever it is. You just think that person, there's no way they're coming. And we say starting today, we believe that by building a bridge to them and allowing God to do the work, everyone is open to come into this life that Jesus offers. So we're going to go to work at doing that. Connecting everyone is what God was doing. In Ephesians, there's this verse, and um, you can look it up later. It's in Ephesians 2. But basically it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, that in his body he put to death the hostility between the two groups of people. That, that Whatever things separated you, Jesus absorbed on the cross in his body all of the pain and the hostility for that and said, it's done now. Can you just step over the rubble of this wall I just demolished and like go actually have a relationship with someone different? That, that's, that's what we're about. And then finally, it's building bridges that connect everyone to what? To, to Christ. When that happens, we'll certainly get connected to each other, We'll find ways where our relationships will grow, and I believe this church at every location will be a beautiful picture of the kingdom diversity that God has always wanted for his people. I believe we'll continue to move, and we're already starting that, but we'll move even further into that across generational lines and ethnic lines and economic lines, all of it. We'll start to appear like the early church did, but it requires us First, connecting to the dynamic life of Jesus ourselves. We're going to talk more about that in a few weeks. But, but here's what it is. Dynamic life of Christ is this. It is the overflowing, abundant, full, what you were designed for living experience that, that you think is actually possible. It's everything that God intended for humanity. It is the strength to persevere during the suffering that just marks this world, doesn't it? It's peace that you cannot explain when everybody says you should be upset. It's joy that you can't contain even when your circumstances don't look happy. It's us being able to find a purpose that we can give our lives to beyond simply stacking up money and having the house we want in retirement. It's, it's more than that. It's meaning. It's connectedness and community. It's all, that is what he is offering. And look, that's only this side of eternity. You connect to that and then that's as bad as it gets. Then one day when Christ comes or when you take your last breath, you've got forever with the lover of your soul to experience the entire universe the way that he always meant it. That is dynamic life and we want to connect everyone to it. Starting with the people that are in this room right now and then moving out into the greater Charlotte area in our city. That's our mission. It's always been our mission. It's just going to be our focus these coming years. So I want to give you an invitation. It's kind of a challenge, but I like calling it an invitation better so that way you don't just buck me right at the beginning, right? Here it is. This year, would you, and I don't want you to say yes yet. I I want you to think about it because there's a cost. Would you become a bridge builder? Would you individually, personally, Become a person that builds bridges that connects somebody to the dynamic life in Christ. Try to kind of paint a picture for what it could look like. It's it's beginning a relationship with someone that's disconnected from God. And then over time, growing that relationship. Follow them on social media. Um have them as a contact in your phone. You have their contact in your phone. Like We're developing a friendship. Do you see what I'm getting at? It's not like a target thing. This is more just saying, this is a real relationship and not just like you know the barista because she gets your water level just right on your Americano in the morning. I mean a real relationship. And then sometime this year, by December 2020, have a spiritual conversation with that person. Can you imagine if all of us chose to do that. I know that some of, some of us aren't ready yet. Some of us would feel like, I, I just can't. But what if every single one of us did that this year? Can you imagine what might take place in, the li- in your life? As you and I, like Peter, had the courage to step into something that we felt like, I don't know how this is gonna work out. And God shows up, because he's already in the details, working both sides of the bridge that you've been building. In just a few moments, we're going to have baptisms. And across all the Forest Hill campuses today, we're doing baptisms. Where people are, just like Cornelius' house, publicly saying, I'm all in. Can you imagine next January February, if these waters were filled with people that today are living that disconnected life? Maybe it's you. Maybe right now you don't have enough to go. You're not sure about stepping into this thing that we're talking about But what if over the course of this year we had these baptismal pools filled up with people coming out of the water saying yes to following Jesus? And what if you, because of the investment you made this year, were the first person they grabbed and hugged when the water came out? And like your makeup's messed up, your shirt's all wet, but we're all crying and celebrating what God is. What if that could happen over the next year? Because we simply say yes to what God is asking. That's our challenge, church. It's who we're becoming and it's where we're going. Next week, I'm gonna talk to you a little bit more about how we'll do that. And then the following week in this vision uh, vision sermon, we're gonna talk about where we're gonna go over the next five years. And then we're gonna get together on March 11th in this room, every campus joined, and we are gonna throw a huge celebration party for a vision night where we are gonna say yes to God together and we're gonna watch what he does. It's gonna be unbelievable and you don't wanna miss it. But for now, I just wanna ask you to consider this big idea because God wants everybody in. We will build bridges that connect everyone to dynamic life in Christ. Will you join me in prayer about that? Father, it's uh, your word. It's your mission. We're your church. This is your mo I mean, it's all yours. We're yours. And Lord, I pray that as we consider what this might mean for each of us individually, that we would come to a new level of trust and intimacy with you as we step out and do some things that maybe aren't our habit right now. That you would just show up. And we would have this experience of living our faith in a new way. Lord, I pray for those in this room that even as I talked and as we read scripture, God, that find themselves still in that place that many of us were in, just totally disconnected from you and wondering if it's possible that we could ever be acceptable again. Even if our life looks good on the outside, God, we know deep down. I pray for those that you would begin here by helping them to see and connect to this invitation, Jesus, you offer of life and life forever. I pray that you would help us to have courage, that you'd give us inspiration and innovation to do this in a way that impacts our city and that across uh, Forest Hill today as people who are stepping out of these waters and being baptized, as they come out, that they would be absolutely in awe of the fact that they, like a Roman centurion 2,000 years ago, chosen by you for this very moment, that you love them, God, help us all to experience that now. I pray this, Jesus, in your beautiful and resurrected name. Amen.